This is Jan Cox, talk number 2575, recorded September 8th, 2000. And here's the news I wrote for you on this fine evening. The more that you live by how you say you feel, the less notice you will give to what your thoughts are doing. So, from one view, the more emotional you are, the less likelihood of you being bothered by your mind's activities. In case I don't ever get back to it, at least that's for all of you people who leased on your own or perhaps thinking I have for years and years kicked around being emotional, there you are. Why do you not find many, shall we say, sincere, long-term people involved with this kind of activity who are, oh, I don't know, kind of Don Nottish? See, <laughs> so that or I have been a good influence. And that in your spare time, you're still a nervous wreck. <laughs> and very, very concerned. But your career and your social life and your social position. But at least you're keeping it hid. Back to the news, page two. To be enlightened is not, to be enlightened is to not be content with knowing the surface of things. Be they objects or be they ideas. And to go along with this is the study of the two levels of the mind. The surface level where you have the thoughts that you are forced to have, and the deep level, where another use of the mind is possible. At the surface level, you know what you know, while at the deep level, you know the thing by which you know. Never settle for appearances. Well, until you're awake enough to realize that that's all there is. Only men swapped in thought say how they feel. And men who say how they feel have no real feel for thought. The first philosopher said, Anyone who criticizes me, I call friend. And the second philosopher said, Why? Because you can always learn something from someone's criticism of you? No, he replied. Because I call everyone who doesn't interest me, friend. Now that I have read that, I should have made it impersonal. Instead of someone who criticizes me, it should have been directed toward the subject of criticism itself. Although now having said that, I'm not sure it would have gone over any better. Which now frightens me that you people are still emotional. Because every time I bring up something about criticism and how you take it, it always gets very quiet. <laughs> Confides to us one chap. Every trick I ever discovered to help me, to help keep me awake, both helped me and hindered me. It would, for the moment, help keep me awake, but did, over the long haul, hinder me by causing me to imagine that I was getting somewhere with my little tricks. And speaking of ledger domain, the ultimate in escape tricks is in getting out of the illusionary straitjacket called 
Am I making progress? The more that you accept your verbalized feelings to be your real feelings, the less you will ever realize about the reality of your thinking. Headline, all you need to know about being respected. To be insultable is to get insulted. Concerning direction of sight and another certain matter. You cannot look back and not have feelings. Additional memorandum. Whenever you think, say, or write the words, the word feeling, you should put it in quotation marks. For you people on tape, I want you to <laughs> see that I do put feelings, at least on that page, in quotation marks. The true is not serious, nor the false not. Both are equally ludicrous concepts. A boy said to his father, What are we other than what we think we are? To which his father responded, Everything that does not think about what you are. That's what. And the lad later concluded that on the basis, on that basis, you can never know what you are. And this somehow came as a notable relief for a while. The quicksand for those seeking a clean view is in the details in getting meaningless in getting meaninglessly distracted by the meaningless details drug into the picture by the thoughts in your head. A boy asked his father, is the problem in having feelings or in expressing them? And instantly said, never mind. I shouldn't have even bothered asking that. One guy says, there are two things I really hate. Doing something new and after having done it myself for not having done it sooner. People take being who, what they are, what they think they are, far too seriously. What you actually are is not a serious matter at all, nor does your instinctive self think so. Only your thoughts do. And finally, one man says, I always say, once a pea brain, always a pea brain. But I also say, why let it get you down? <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is the last piece of news. Uh, although I made a superficial, facetious comment on the first page, the first news item, as you know by now, I did not originally, it did not come to me in a facetious manner, nor did I intend it simply as a joke. Uh, and... The reason I commented on it as soon as I read it is I was, after hearing me read it aloud, I thought perhaps it was too convoluted, the way in which I put it. It starts off based upon, it sounds familiar, I would assume for those of you who have been here the last several nights, it sounds familiar to what you had heard before. It, to wit, the more that you live by how you say you feel, the less notice you will give to what your thoughts are doing. 
And just the more that you're the kind of person that I was talking about, that, and I say the kind of person, I left it to your observation, I simply noted that the majority, the major way in which men manifest themselves is not through the yellow or the red circuit specifically, is not through the intellect. That is not the way people manifest what they think of as themselves, their personality, even so-called intellectuals, as I pointed out. The way that men manifest themselves to one another and the way that men manifest themselves to themselves is through the expression of how they feel, the expression of it. And if a man is not talking to someone else about the way he feels, then again, all you've got to do is check with your own head. You're, you're expressing and manifesting it to yourself. And so I simply point out that the more that you love, it is the more that your attention is held by the more your sensation of what you are moment to moment is based upon your expression in your own head, if not overtly, the expression of how you feel. The more you do that, the less notice you will give to the very thing that I insist verbally is the point of all this. That is a realization as to the nature of the mind. And so the more that you live by, quote, how you say you feel, how you think you feel, then the less notice you will give to the nature of the mind. That was the first part. Then it said, So, Daesh, from one view, and this was the unexpected part, if you, you may have thought you misheard it, I said, So from one view, the more emotional you are, the less likelihood of you ever being bothered by your mind's activity. Which the intention, with a certain kind of theatrical irony to it, that I simply used for the sake of trying to spur you on your own to, when you heard it or think about it later to go, ah, because what it's saying is that in spite of it initially sounding as though it's another somewhat, quote, attack on living by how you feel, letting you manifest yourself on the basis of how you say you feel, how you think you feel. That rather than that being an attack, I was pointing out that you could look at it as being an advantage. And I didn't put in these words, but the advantage being, as I put it, subtly, the advantage being, if you do go ahead and live that way, you won't be all that bothered about being asleep. You won't think that much about, well, I wish I was awake. So there's an advantage to it. Back when those of you that were around, back when I used to do things more publicly, and you know, several times a year round up, crowds of a hundred people, did you ever notice how many of them, or if you were staying around and I would, after a few meetings, would stand around and talk to people, it's the same sort of thing that I mentioned to you that is almost entirely the correspondence I get by mail and now email, is people whining and complaining, in other words, tell me how they feel, and requesting what they're asking, without ever being very specific, is like, can you stop me from feeling bad? And I sure will be obliged to it, and I might buy a book or speak highly of you. And by the way, here's the details. <laughs> Notice, people like that do not survive this. This is the reason I brought up publicly. And then, of course, then was my joke, is maybe you still do it in your spare time, which I know everybody does it in their spare time. But now, of course, spare time to you should be synonymous with snooze time. What do they call it in kindergarten now? Time out. 
<laughs> that you lay your little head on your desk except when you're grown. You don't need a desk. You don't have to lay your head down. You can walk around. You can work in a, <laughs> an atomic energy plant. You can be the prime minister of a country and still be walking around making great decisions while in truth your little head is on your little desk. The more emotional you are, the more that you would be called up. I'm bringing this up for a reason, for you to consider it. I'm not going to just try and describe it in detail. But a person, if a person, life, if their life to them is manifest in how they feel, and as I've noted, and everyone should know by now, people do not express how they feel unless it is, how should we put it, rotten. Yeah, at least I didn't say shitty. Rotten. <laughs> so people are feeling bad to express it. And so what I'm saying is there's an advantage to it because if you had felt bad enough, and all of you felt sort of bad before you ever met me, because everybody in life feels a little bad, unless you were born naturally awake, and then you'd be a fright. I do not want, if there is such a thing, I do not want to meet. But everyone felt bad. Everyone feels bad. Everyone feels to some degree as though uh, they have actually been put in an adverse position to be alive. It's like you just can't find who to complain to about it. Well, that is, you can't find the ultimate complaint counter, and so you complain just like with other people in line. Except you find that you're surrounded by six billion other people complaining about being alive. What am I doing here? You know, where did I return this? And you think, you, you think you're in line, maybe, until you realize, well, even if I'm in line, there's six billion people in front of me are fighting for position, and they're all complaining. So at any rate, if you had been, if, you're, if your life had manifested itself and how you felt, and again, feeling badly to some degree, if it had been of sufficient strength in you, you wouldn't be sitting here. Now, of course, the so-called all kinds of schools and monasteries, organizations devoted to awakening, if you notice, uh, they're advertising, they're brochures, and I don't mean just contemporary activity. You can go back for thousands of years. You ever think the problem they had back then that the brochures you know, were on a big old piece of stone and... <laughs> Like you could only hand out at the airport, maybe one a, a week. It would take a week to do the little brochure. I mean, it's no wonder. You know, Plato was out there walking in the academy, and it's only him and two or three guys. Lack of advertising, lack, lack of the physical wherewithal to get the advertising done, at any rate. I was going to point out, you can take, as always, religion... Uh, if you can't think of enough of so-called mystical operations, you can take religion as always as being a very low-level, low-wattage version. But the, the appeal of all religion, the appeal of all the publicly known, well-known mystical organizations, as I said, be they 2,000 years old, 3,000 or 50 years old, 
if you notice, all of their plea, all of their advertising, all of their promises based upon the fact, it's always some degree like, uh, are you unhappy? That's kind of the opening gambit for everybody. You know, from all religions to all mystical systems. Are you unhappy? As I point out, you ask six billion people, and all but maybe me or you, if they don't watch it, are going to say, well, sure. They, they may smile like, why? Yeah. You going to listen to me talk? Do you really want to know? <laughs> the point being, you've probably forgotten about it, most of you people by now, but the appeal, and not just the intrinsic appeal of the activity, but the appeal that the activity overtly makes, is on the basis, do you feel bad? If so, come here. And whatever we're doing, chanting, fasting, studying these particular scriptures, uh, meditating. The whole point is, if you come, if you would sincerely, if you would undertake to become a Sufi, a Zenist, a Christian, a Jewish mystic, anything, the appeal is always on the basis. The invitation is, do you feel bad? Are you unhappy? Are you sad? Are you upset? Are you troubled by your life? And six million hands will go up. As I said, most of you here and you old timers out there in tape land, but now you probably forget about it. But uh, those of you who understand anything, those of you who got any clear sight of what's going on, you realize this has nothing to do with feeling good or feeling bad. Which is kind of a trick for me to say that because once you are well sighted enough to realize that, you no longer feel good or bad anyway, and so it's irrelevant. But I couldn't resist. I'm not going to go into it anymore. I was going to leave it to you. But consider why I said it, even if it doesn't strike you, but consider that I said it for some reason to try and encourage you to consider the matter. That if you had been more tied up, more captured by the way that you think you feel, by the way that you said you feel, just think back in high school. Right until the time that you really got involved with this, right until the time you began to understand anything. What did you constantly talk about, you and everyone else? What did you constantly think about was how you felt. That you felt you'd been misused, you felt you'd been insulted, you felt depressed, you felt frightened, you felt like you weren't appreciated. There's all kinds of little momentary, day-by-day -day skirmishes that you felt as though you had been victim of during the day, and then there were these long-range ones, you know, how you had been mistreated by your mother, your father, your uncle, school, your occupation, your job, blah, blah, blah. But just think, had it been sufficient, you would have saved yourself all of this. Of course, now it's too late to choose. Not tonight. I was went ahead and wrote this one night about the two levels. I had another model I've been aiming to use with you on the mind of the two levels of the surface and the deep level. But I think I'll leave it. But now I pointed it out to you. And of course, as you know, I do not refer to some psychological version or some version of the psychological idea of the subconscious because I've been through that enough. We literally have a subconscious, but it shouldn't be called a mind. It's simply the, the subcortical activity of our complete organism, the complete nervous system. 
So I'm not talking about that. I mean within the cortical area of consciousness. But I went ahead and called it the mind rather than consciousness so as not to confuse the terms of you thinking I was referring to consciousness and then subconsciousness. I'm saying in the mind itself, the very thing that you have had all this occasion that you can observe, you're thinking. I can call it that. There's surface thinking and there's deep thinking. And uh, I have to point out, I do not mean deep thinking in a metaphorical sense relating to the content, content or the intellectual challenge of what you're thinking. I'm saying that just naturally what happens is a surface kind of thinking. And enough of you have already had experience with the other sort. I just never named it anything. But hey, you figured it all out yourself now. I have to go back and pick it back up. I'll read this one again just to annoy you. One chap confides to us, says he, every trick I ever discovered to help me keep awake both helped me and hindered me. For the moment, the short term, it would help keep me awake. But I realized that over the long haul, it was hindering me by causing me to imagine that I was getting somewhere with these little tricks. I should have said that somebody passing by overheard the man say that and said, I don't get it. But then I figured I didn't have to put forth the effort to type that. I figured someone would do it for me in your head. What's the point? Do I really have to say anything about this one? I had to make up a word. I assume you heard it. The word is insultable. To be insultable is to get insulted. Well, as everyone surely knows from your own experience, and if not your own experience, being the superior people I'm sure that you indigenously be, from your observation of other less superior people, <laughs> that people feeling bad, a large part of said feeling is in being dissed, being disrespected, being insulted by people's behavior, by people's looks, but of course as the most popular form is by people's words. I say, I point out in here, it had a headline. The headline was, everything that you ever need to know regarding the matter of respect. And I don't know if I'm going to go into it. As always, all of you don't get, you must know better, so don't even get momentarily distracted. I don't bring this up for the basis of behavior. But it is the easiest way to sketch out the basis of what I'm pointing to. It's to make it appear, make it sound as though we're speaking about the relationships between people, the behavioral kinds of relationships. Everyone is concerned, everyone on this planet, mostly, has a lifetime of being slighted, insulted. They have many terms for it, attempting to shade the degrees, being not fully appreciated, being slighted, maybe it's a little worse. I just went ahead and got it over with, insulted. What I point out is that if you are insultable, that is, if you can be insulted, you're going to get insulted. 
But you know why I pointed it out. But now again, I point out, or I re-point out to you, if behavior is your problem, if literally your problem was that you spend so much of your time at home alone crying or fuming over being insulted and people looking at you funny or someone questioned your ideas, some opinion, if that is still your problem, then I am absolutely astounded to see you here. Behavior can't be anybody's problem by now. And if it is, you might as well go ahead in the ante room at the morticians. So you know that I am not referring to behavior, but again, since I limbed it out in behavioral, physical sounding terms, do consider the fact, because you'll surely recognize this immediately, if you can be insulted, we're just talking about ordinary people, just ordinary, sane, reasonable people. If you can be insulted, which is six billion people, if you can be insulted, you're going to get insulted. Now, everyone understands that. It's just I spent a lot of words and went around in a oblique fashion to try and get you to see something in a way that you would have never thought about it. All I'm saying is everyone feels insulted sometime in their life to be charitable, to say sometime. Everybody gets insulted, right? Sure. What I'm saying is, and of course people, which we're back to the, what I was pointing out last time, the thing about expressing and accepting what your thoughts say about how you feel at the moment, the, quote, danger for someone trying to get to the bottom of things is that if you take it as the idea of how you feel, then it's on the basis that it can be changed. Which will keep you, as they say in kindergarten, involved with busy work for as many years as you have left. People believe that to be insulted is an anomaly. I got in, people want to talk about it. Somebody rushed up to you and said, you'll never believe what happened. I just had somebody insult me, a cashier at a store. I had a cop insult me. I had a bus driver. I had a stranger on the street. I asked him for directions. If that has any currency with you, with a person, then the question is, how can they express any particular interest? Where do they get this tone of voice as though... Wait till I tell you what happened. Something absolutely extraordinary. Hell, they got insulted two hours ago. Well, they mentioned it. It might not have been of sufficient strength to cause them to mention it, or they may not have been around someone they could speak to. But the idea that I have been insulted, the person saying that, from one cold-blooded view, it is childish to say the least, for them to even mention it. Childish in the sense that it is numbingly redundant. I've been insulted. That's like saying, I just took a breath. Can I tell you about it? And you think, uh-oh, here it goes. I'm going to be hearing this the rest of my fucking life. You know, if you live with a person, <laughs> if you're around them, you mean you're going to come, you know, every few minutes you're going to go, I just took a breath. I took it in, it went out. The point is, it is so routine. 
But yet again, if you listen to your thoughts, if you accept it, if you express, this is how I feel, I feel insulted right now. I feel angry because I was insulted or I feel hurt. I could just cry. I just feel like just going home and get under the covers and never come out. I try to do so well and so good in life and people just treat me with no respect whatsoever. They insult my good and I, I can't stand it. You feel as though it could be otherwise. I simply point out, and you know it, people are constantly being insulted. But people constantly, if they live, if they accept those thoughts as a way to live, and they accept it as being a true representation of reality, that if, if I suddenly popped in their head and went, so you understand what's going on? They'd go, what's there to understand? Somebody insulted me. There was a woman in there in the store, and the way she was dealing with her child, pushing her around, I tried to help the woman. I walked over to her and I said, that's no way to get a child to, you know, to behave. And can you believe it? She turned around to me and said, mind your own goddamn business. And I was trying to help. They believe it could have been otherwise. They believe that life could be otherwise, which is the, you might say, the original visidness. But here's the other point or the general point, the general direction in which I was trying to turn your attention by writing this little sentence. Without analyzing it, people do not take it to be, any, they do not take it to be a natural state to be insultable. As I said, there is no such word. I had to make it up. Think about that. Nice common word, insult. They had the adverbial versions, but not insultable, which would be what? How come we don't have an English major in here? How come I talk myself in these corners? There is no such word as insult a ball. Now you can, of course, say, well, the person was liable to be insulted. They were capable of being insulted. Oh, yeah, sure, you can say it. But it just shows you I'm off a half step off the main track. But I always find it interesting, you should too, that I point out something that's an everyday occurrence in the life of man. And you pick up a nice, big, fat, unabridged dictionary, and I had to make up the version of the word. Think about it. Does anybody get it? Just throughout the history of man, how many people did I decide have been alive up until now? Twelve billion? Out of all these people, people with much greater education, learning, verbal, linguistic wherewithal than me, out of all these 4,000 years, 12 billion people, not one person ever thought, we need a word, insultable, to show the condition of being ready, open, prepared, capable of being insulted. Even if somebody said it, notice this, no crowd collected. None of Dr. Johnson's heirs or forefathers all crowded around that person went, my, what a, I never thought about it. That is a deficiency in our language. Because it is not an uncommon condition. Look around us. Of course, everybody looked at each other, you know, everybody else. Just look around us. Do we not need such a word? Is, not, is the condition that rare? No. Of course, what I'm inferring somewhat humorously is that men do not want to confront the matter. 
Nobody wants to think about it. And therefore, nobody is like, we don't need that kind of word. I say it's a darn good word. And I say it's applicable. And I say, here it is. If you are insultable, that is, if you can get be insulted, you're going to get insulted. Again, I repeat. How can you not repeat if it's not again? <laughs> and I just got through. Lambasting, redundancy. I just did that. And here I'm doing it again. But what do you call that? If you can be in... If you can be insulted, you'll get insulted. But take it outside the realm that requires two people, as always. But you know that that's not why I bring it up. Everything I bring up, everything I talk about, you know by now. It's all inside of your head. If you cannot localize it there, then all you do is find this entertaining, perhaps. But that is the only place that it is useful. Now consider, take out, as always, take out the appearance of two people, the existence of two people in the matter at hand. I say that if you can be insulted, you will get insulted. All inside of your head. Does anybody get it? No? How about the extreme insulting example? Possibly. If a man thinks, I could be asleep, he is asleep. Now, you better scratch that. Just leave it. Take out the example and go back to, if you can be insulted, you will get insulted. And now try to picture the whole thing. No other human ever enter, in, enters into this question. What does it mean if I can be insulted, I will get insulted? This one seemed to have struck a few of you when I first read it, so I'll, I'll just reread it again. I don't really see the necessity of saying anything. It's still having to do with feelings as, and as it's connected to direction of sight. And the news item says you cannot look back and not have feelings. There are very few things, of course, I've already put my verbal foot in it, I point out that anything the mind can think of could possibly be true. There are things that push the limit of that. And I would say that this is one of them. I challenge you. Check it out. I have to do all this damn scientific research. None of you people want to help. I mean, you think all this comes easy. Sometimes it takes me up to a damn second to gather all of this. So check it out. I say that you cannot reminisce. You cannot look backwards and not have feelings. Can you reminisce in a sang -front? Can you reminisce impartially? Can you think about the past? And have no feelings about what you're thinking about. At least any of you get off alone and fool yourself. I just suddenly got somewhat concerned. Uh, you can't. <laughs> I shouldn't worry about you. But here's, 
here's the point. Some of you should already figure it out. You could start thinking about something and say, well, I'll check it out. You could start thinking about something. Like, well, let's see. Uh, I don't know why. And you start thinking about something. Well, I went, I went to, uh, I ran across somebody I hadn't seen in 20 years yesterday. And we were talking about high school. And I was thought about when I was in the, went out for the football team or something. You might stand there and think about it for a second. And then remember why you were doing this, that you were trying to pursue what I suggested. And you think, well, and right, th- right that moment, you could conclude that I was wrong, that the statement was wrong, that you could say, well, I don't have any feelings about that. Does anybody get it, though? Well, there are two things, two possibilities to get. One of them is, if you were having feelings of, about it, they stopped as soon as you remembered what you were looking for, the same way as trying to look at your mind with the mind. The other one is, you didn't let go far enough, because if you didn't have any feelings about it, your mind, with another split second, would have left it anyway. The point being that you can momentarily reminisce, that is, recall something in your past that does not invoke feelings. But if you go, well, okay. Now hold on to it. Just a couple more seconds. I put it to you the other way. If you don't have feelings about something, you can't reminisce about it. Oh, it may come to mind for a moment. For some reason, there may be some external stimuli. As I said, you may suddenly see somebody from your high school days walk by. You go, God, that's so-and-so. And right quick, you think about, <coughs> yeah, he was a football star. And right for a second, you might think about, the... anyway, if you don't have any interest in it, your mind will go away from it. But, if you, don't, if you do have interest in it, and you remember like that you tried to go out for the football team because you were Jesus. That guy with this makeups. You were after the same girl he was, and it turned out that the old song was true, that a football player had a lot bigger chance than a guy that ran the movie projector and, and swept up the hallways. And so you're about to remember that you tried to go out for the football team, and you lasted like 30 minutes. But see, if you remember to think about this, then your recollections won't go that far, and you'll never know whether you had any feeling about it or not. Or, as I said, whatever struck your mind, you had no feeling about anyway, and so the reminiscing was only of a split-second duration. Well, you probably hear the validity of it anyway. I'm just telling you, if you, you will not reminisce, not enough that it amounts to anything. There'll be no more than a glance at something internally. But a person does not reminisce. A person does not, quote, look back, is the way it was originally written, that you cannot look back and not have feelings. If if your thoughts are in the past on some subject, you have, your thoughts say, feelings about that that you're reminiscing about. The blunt point of it being... If you're going to be trapped, if you're going to continue to be trapped in the illusion that what you say, what your thoughts say that you feel, how you feel, if you're going to be trapped, all you got to do is be thinking about the past. All you got to do is allow it. All you got to do is entertain it. All you got to do is listen to it go on. And you've got feelings. And if I have to point this out, as shoddy, as illusionary, as 
which you want, specious or spurious, as contemporaneous expressions of how you feel, as spurious and specious, or and are, is that is, think how shoddy second-hand spurious feelings are. That is, remembered feelings. Except under ordinary conditions, as you know, you can work up just as much as sweat. Remembering that guy in high school, how he bullied you around, you hadn't seen him in 25 years, and he's bald-headed and weighs and he's 70 pounds overweight and he's limping, and you suddenly see him, and within seconds, you're remembering the way he tormented you. you. You're suddenly mad, and then you're frightened because you remember how he used to push you around, and one time you tried to stand up to him, and he broke your nose. And it's all of this. I mean, it's nothing unusual, quite real. Memory, creating physiological changes in the brain, in the nervous system itself, the complete nervous system. I'm simply pointing out, and that's considered normal, and it is normal with six billion people. I'm just pointing out, if I have to, is bad from a more awakened view, as questionable, or as spurious, as meaningless, as unprofitable, were the original emotions, the original feelings that the person had about the incident. Here they are reliving it 20, 30 years later. That's why I said, if you think the first group was threadbare, the first experience, just think how shoddy. Yeah. Maybe get you hip people. Think how unfashionable. These feelings are now 20 years out of style. I mean, the kind of feelings you had back then, you were wearing down below the knee. But now the fashion for that kind of feeling, for that kind of anger, is a little above the knee. Or back then... The kind of fear you had 25 years ago, that kind of fear normally with it, you had a wide tie, about a four-incher. But now, of course, slim ties are back. So you're reliving, your emotional reliving of some past event is just extremely unhealthy and out of fashion. I wonder if that would work. Is there some way that a person could be enticed, badgered, or enticed, driven, enticed? A person be enticed to be more awake on the basis of fashion. I just saw that. Well, why not? Many people join up with mystical groups and meditation outfits on the basis of, you know, meeting someone, expanding their social life. I want to reread this one in case it's a little tricky the way I put it, the sense together, but I want to be sure you got it. A boy said to his father, obviously after hearing some of what I'd been talking about, this sort of thing, the boy said, what are we other than what we think we are? And what are we besides that? And the father said, everything that does not think about what you are. You understand the original question the boy was saying. In other words, he was saying, what is there besides what we think we are that we could be? That are we not what we think we are? And what else is there? And what are we other than what we think we are? And the father said, the answer to the question is everything that doesn't think about what you are. That's what. Oh. 
To me, that's the proper kind of answer. That's my kind of answer. It is a direct answer, except you can't really pick it up. It's like trying to carry around water in a sieve. I'm telling you, the answer is right there, right on it. And yet, you can't pick it up and carry it. You can't do anything with it. You can't talk about it. You can't discuss it. I guess that's why I had the footnote, which I didn't read this time. It was after the father responded and said, well, when he said, what are we? What, what can we be? What are, what is a man? What are we other than what we think that we are? And he said, everything that does not think about what you are. In the footnote that I left out this time, it said later, the lad came to the conclusion that on that basis of what his father said, that on that basis, it was impossible that you would never know what you are. And even further down, it says, and then somehow this came as a great relief. For a while. Then here at the end. I'm just reporting. That's the way it happened. This one I was really trying to get to, my favorite for the night, but we're out of time. So I'll just read it to you. One guy says, quote, there are two things I really hate. One is doing something new. And two is after having done it myself. For not having done it sooner. Well, you people take over so we can. I'll read your favorite again. I read mine. And in conclusion, one guy, this is what he says. I'm quoting. He says, I always say, once a pea brain, always a pea brain. But I also say, hey, why let it get, let it get you down? I'll expect some sort of response from everyone Monday. Why let it get you down? I already got mine. I don't know about you, but I suddenly think, what kind of damn cheap-ass question is that? I'll let it get you down. Just treating it like it's some minor event. It's been getting me down now for damn 40, 50 years. Don't come up with some cheap-ass question about it. Well, I'll let it get you down. It's the name of my life. Well, jeez, I didn't know you people were going to get so overheated about it. I just... In that case, I will not expect an answer Monday. I didn't know you'd get so upset by it. Forget it. Why let it get you down? Why let it get the best of you? That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com, where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.